if you're willing to learn, grow, develop, challenge yourself and, and you know, learn more, do more, become more, you have a growth mindset. If I'm hiring somebody, I'm always looking for people that have a growth mindset that want to learn more, do more, and become more. Real quick note, my family and I just got back from an incredible cruise with UnCruise. Now we'd experienced what cruising was like on a big ship with thousands of people. And frankly, it just wasn't for us, but this one was completely different. It was a small boat of less than 100. We had an amazing time where we saw whales and other wildlife, inspiring nature, hiking, kayaking, and bushwhacking, which is hiking without the trails. And we received incredibly personalized service guides who get you off the beaten path and gorgeous sunsets. Everything was so easy and with no lines. They provided incredible meals, including sustainable seafood, not to mention a list of impressive cocktails. My wife, daughter, and I loved it. When we returned, I asked UnCruise to become a show sponsor, and I was excited when they agreed. Right now, they're offering special deals on cruises in Baja, Mexico, and Alaska that includes the incredible luxury, service, and adventure that we experience. To learn more, go to benleads.com slash cruise. That's benleads.com slash cruise for the latest deals. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. Today, I have for you Joe Quinn, who is the CHRO and Senior Vice President over at Vision Technologies, a $200 million technology integrator. They basically bring together everything technology-wise for huge organizations like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, the Ravens, you name it. And Joe specifically is responsible for compensation, talent acquisition, learning and development, HR strategy, benefits, HRIS, and employee engagement, essentially everything HR-related. He also served as a senior leader previously at companies like PQ, ICI, Cerberus, LifeBridge Health, DuPont, and others. And here are a few interesting facts, which we're sure to dive into. He's been married over 44 years, holy smokes, and has two sons and four grandsons. He reads several books a month and believes in maintaining a growth mindset. And by the way, he is a, his own broker, successfully managing his own portfolio. We're going to dive into it because I don't know how he finds the time. Joe, welcome to lead the team, sir. Thank you. Excited to be here. So y'all, before we got going, Joe was explaining, we're like getting the camera angle set up and everything. And Joe's explaining how he lives in former NBA great Reggie Lewis's house, 13 but ceilings, how did this come to be? So um, when we moved, relocated to the Baltimore area, my wife who had, my wife's a PhD psychologist and she has built homes because I've relocated a lot and she has flipped homes. And uh, in Baltimore, when we moved here, there wasn't a lot of land, right? It's a very well-established community. So she wanted to find a house that we could gut and she could be the GC, and she could make it her own. So I got to tell you, when I first walked through this home, I hated it, okay? 
And the reason I hated it, it was because it was going to need a lot of work and uh, and a lot of investment. And so we yeah. lived in the emphasis lower, on the investment part, especially probably right. Yeah, like, yeah. So we we lived in the lower level. The lower level, which I'm sitting in right now, has a family room. It has my office with the 13 foot ceilings, which was Reggie's office. It has a, for a basketball uh, goal, I guess. Yeah, I guess, and I'm, I guess you'd be I'm shooting you couldn't be um, shooting uh, a very high arc on those goals in the 13 feet, but at least if you're a tall basketball player, you feel like it's roomy. Exactly. And then we had like a bedroom with a walk-in closet, a full bathroom, and we had a microwave. That was our kitchen because they were basically tearing the house apart upstairs. We moved mm-hmm, the kitchen mm-hmm. from one place to another. They had the kitchen facing a wall. We moved it over to look out at the woods. We had beautiful woods with deer that come up all the time. We replaced all the floors with hardwood floors. My wife basically made it look like a Colorado ski lodge. So there were 25-foot ceilings. Yeah, Yeah, in Baltimore. 25-foot ceilings in the family room upstairs with drywall that was cracking. So we basically replaced that with hardwood flooring. So it looks looks amazing. That's cool. So I didn't have the vision to see what she was going to build and create because I'm I'm not uh, really good like that visually <laughs> and spatially. And, and she was. Nor am I. We, we have had many people come through the home and just say, wow, because it's very deceiving on the outside. You really don't realize the size of the home. And then the other thing that's kind of cool, we had a 1,200 square foot storage area that we converted when when COVID came and all the fitness centers closed. Mm. We blew out 16 feet for windows. We took the walls out, concrete walls, and we put in 16 feet of windows. And uh, one of my best friends owns 45 fitness centers across the country. Oh, cool. And he got me Johnson Wellness equipment at cost. And so I've got a gym that's almost like a gym you'd pay for a membership to go to. That has all the equipment. So I have no excuse not to work out. Well, well when I come to Baltimore, house. I know where I'm going to work out. I'm coming to your house. Yeah. And, and the other thing I'll just tell you, we we ended up finding out because the house was older, built in 1990, that we had mold in that storage area when we went to finish it off. So we had to have that remediated. It was very expensive. So we have a um, an AC system, an HVAC system that, that brings cold air mm-hmm. in from the outside and sends our stagnant air out to the outside. And with that, our doctor said, look, you you need to get an infrared sauna to get all those toxins out of your body because we were tested and found out that we had mold in our bloodstreams. So we also have in our fitness room a two-seater infrared sauna that we get in probably five times a week at about 140 degrees, and it's, it's amazing. So both of us have no more mold, and it's awesome. Well, congratulations. You got healthy physically. It sounds like externally and internally. Yes. Uh, and and you would say, would you say the infrared sauna uh, was the key in sort of getting rid of the mold in, that you were Absolutely. dealing with? Or was it just time passing? No, it, it, the infrared sauna accelerates because you're, you're basically sweating out all the toxins. Okay. So it accelerates that. Uh, and now what we're into, we also have a really nice um, hot tub, and hot tubs prolong your life. Uh, they really do. There's there's research behind that. Uh, and we just recently purchased Time a. Yeah, we recently purchased. And they a feel cold good, tub. and they're great for yeah. partying. 
Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so we just purchased a cold tub where we're going to be able to get in a cold plunge. I was going to ask you. Okay. And that's really good for your health as well. You can get in that thing if you can stand it up to two minutes and you're the energy that you have for the rest of the day is off the charts. So real, really, really good stuff. So you are you you're doing cold plunge now or you're going to be doing it when you put it in? Yeah. So I'm going to be doing it. Um, a friend of mine is going to install it. I'm okay. really good at uh, uh, doing things, but not installing things. <laughs> well, hey, okay. So cold plunge is, so what's the process? It's workout, cold plunge, hot tub, or it's a different order? No, it's cold plunge in the morning to get that energy Okay, yeah. for the day. Yeah. I come home or if I'm working from home at the end of the day, I'll, I have no excuse not to work out because it's right here. So I'll, I'll go into my fitness room. I'll ride the recombinant bike for like 20 to 30 minutes. And then I'll use the uh, the weight machines or the free weights. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I'll get into either the sauna or go and get into my hot tub. Gotcha. Okay. But it's one or the other every day. How, how long do you spend in the infrared sauna? Half hour. Wow. So yeah. when you spend a half hour in there, are you in there with your phone, a paper? Are you just like meditating or taking meetings? Yeah, so I mean, what do you, how do you operate there? So we have Wi-Fi enabled Bluetooth in there. So I can, which I do, I listen to my audio audible books and okay. um, yeah. When you say audible books, are you more of a nonfiction or fiction? I'm all about business and leadership and, and self-improvement. All right. Well, usually we save these to the end of the show, but hit me right now. What's your nonfiction go-to when you're sitting in the sauna and you're like, I'm going to absorb this because this is important stuff. Honestly, it's also, I can get all of Dr. Joe Dispenza's meditations on audible. Mm -hmm. And so if I want to just really chill out and, and, and kind of relax, I'll do a half hour guided meditation from Dr. Dispenza. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but, yeah. um, found a meditation, check, but not familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Check him out. He's a okay. world renowned leader. My wife and I have been to two of his events, a seven day event in Orlando. Okay. And we went to a four day follow-up retreat in uh, Denver, Colorado. And there were thousands of people there. So maybe briefly describe what type of meditation experience that Joe Dispenza leads and then what have the benefits been for you from that? So he's got various different meditations. One of his most popular ones is a walking meditation. So for about an hour, you've got your earbuds in and you're walking wherever you like to walk on a trail around your neighborhood. And he basically is guiding you through how to calm down, how to relax, how to just really enjoy life and enjoy the moment. And so mm -hmm. that to me is one of his most powerful meditations. He did something called a walk for the world on September 23rd this year. And I participated and my wife did as well. People from 150 different countries participated in this walk for the world. Uh, and he provided to everyone who did it a free hour long meditation for that walk. Mm. I think I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah. You did a roll for that. That was a beautiful yep. day. Yeah. You scored on the weather particularly. Absolutely. I was in I was in Tampa, Florida, 
my wife was here in um, Baltimore. And the reason I was in Tampa over that weekend uh, was my youngest son's birthday. And for his birthday, he lives by me in Baltimore. He's married. He's got two little boys. I took him to the Monday night football game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was about 70% Eagles fans and 30% Buccaneers fans. Of course. And, the, and the weather was amazing because you're in Tampa. Oh my gosh. I'm loving mm-hmm. it. That, that explains the weather. Uh, all right. So meditation, you're, it sounds like you take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, when did you start through embracing the idea and what are the benefits that you've noticed? I have been meditating probably seriously for about five years. I also attended a Tony Robbins event in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with everybody is pretty much familiar with Tony which, Robbins. Which one did you go to? I went to uh, unleash the power within. Yeah. Okay. And I sat next to Eddie George. And the beautiful thing is I'm a Penn State alumni. He's an Ohio State uh, Heisman Trophy winner. But he's from Philly and I'm from Philly. So we had I had a great time sitting next to him. And my best friend, Brian, basically invited me to go for free. And I didn't know that he was a Diamond member. He's been going to Tony Robbins events for 20 years. So when I got there, we're in the Miami Heat arena. And I'm in the first row, front seat in front of the podium. Okay. Mm. Tony comes out the first day. It was a several-day event, four-day event. Comes down, stands in front of me, and he goes, Brian, is this the guy you've been trying to get to come to this for 20 years? And I'm like, so embarrassed in front of 20,000 people. (laughs) But it was... That's it was an cool. amazing event. So one of the highlights of that that I'll share with you mm-hmm. is at the end of the first day, okay, 20,000 people, he's getting them into a physiological, psychological state of them really being excited and ramped up and, and wanting to do better in their life. Mm-hmm. I, along with 20,000 other people, walked over hot coals in bare feet. And I can tell you it was real hot coals because when we started the day before we went into the arena, we saw these huge stacks of wood, like tree trunks and looked like telephone poles that they had on fire. And it took the full probably 10 hours to get them down to be hot coals. And mm-hmm. we and the reason I know it was legit, they tell you when you get off the coals, they have AstroTurf and you're supposed to wipe your feet really briskly to get any of the... Um, the debris off of your feet. Don't take the okay. hot coals with you. Yes. Yeah. So I was so enamored and mesmerized that I had done this. And we're not talking about walking 10 feet. You're walking 30 feet over hot coals. Okay. I get to the astral turf, but I'm kind of half-assing it. And I end up getting a hot coal remnant on my heel. Uh-oh. Just a tiny, like about the size of a dime. And they hosed that off, and I had a little tiny blister that really didn't even bother me. But the point is, for anybody who thought that those were not real hot coals, they were real hot coals. Yeah, the key is to walk on them and get off, not take it with you. Yes. <laughs> if you do, you're going to feel it. Man, what, yes. what a cool experience. So it's interesting. You know, you, here you are an executive working for so many big companies. And I think a lot of people might be surprised to see you so dedicated 
to your own personal growth. Meditation. I mean, Tony Robbins. Um, and it wasn't like you spent an afternoon there, right? You right. took four days of your own time to do that. Walking meditation. Um, was there a moment or maybe what was the moment where you said, hey, this is important. I'm going to go all in on this. Or does something just sort of gradually sort of evolved into? So because my wife, God bless her, is a really great person, helps people. Her job, she's a PhD psychologist and she sees people, provides them with therapy and helps them through difficult situations. She's been meditating probably for about 15 years. And I've been on the sidelines watching this. And then a, a light bulb finally clicked about five years ago where I'm seeing all the benefits that she's getting from doing this work. And I'm not a very spiritual person, even though I went to 12 years of Catholic school. I didn't choose that. My parents chose that for me. So I'm not real spiritual. I'm, I'm very practical. Uh, I try to be the best person I can be to my kids, to my grandkids. So I got into this. And it was extremely powerful hmm. and it was easy to do. If you, if you allow yourself to let go, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. And so what happened when you made the change? So um, a lot of things happened. I'll, I'll go back to the Tony Robbins event. Okay. So I had lost my job. Long story short, here I am a guy at the time in my early 60s. And I'm thinking, where the heck am I going to find a job? So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in trouble here, right? My friend convinced me to go to the Tony Robbins event. And Tony has you come out of there like you have a cape on and you can do anything and achieve anything. I'm, I'm very serious about this. He gets you to the place. And I'm talking about people like Eddie George, who's already a very successful former NFL player. I said, Eddie, why are you here? And he said, I'm here because I'm starting a business and I have friends that have attended this event and they got out of the gates so quickly by following Tony's techniques for success. So I got out of that event in November. Within two weeks, I got a great job offer. A company created a job for me and I got a job offer. Never, never forget this. The day before Thanksgiving. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So being around that kind of energy, I haven't been to Tony Robbins, but I've watched several of his online or not a, a several of, of the videos about him, the, the Netflix document. Yeah. The Netflix, I'm not your guru. Right. A lot of that and a couple other things. And clearly he's a spark for so many people. Yes. And it sounds like it worked for you. It, I can tell you I'm all about, Mindset. My favorite book is by Dr. Carol Dweck. It's called Mindset. And yeah. in Fixed that mindset book, versus growth mindset. Yes, exactly. And and again, married to a psychologist, I get exposed to or recommended. Colleen will recommend really good books for me. This one I found on my own. I've given it to both of my sons and their wives. And it's all about, and I wish I knew about this book when my kids were kids, right? because they're now men, they're 42 and 39. The book is all about you are what you want to be. So if you think everything you have achieved or how smart you're going to be or what you know 
is it, then you have a fixed mindset. But if you're willing to learn, grow, develop, challenge yourself and, and you know, learn more, do more, become more, you have a growth mindset. And if I'm hiring somebody, I'm always looking for people that have a growth mindset that want to learn more, do more, and become more. And I have been very blessed to have hired and worked with and been involved in careers of folks that I've been uh, the person helping them move forward and get promoted. And I stay in touch with those folks too. So I have a very wide network of people. In fact, I have a former boss who's one of my best friends who when he when I first worked with him in Columbus, Ohio, he was a developing senior manager, COO of a Fortune 500 company. When I first met him, he was very raw talent, right? Mm-hmm. And interpersonally and how he worked with people, he was like brute strength and get it done. So I gave him a book called The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tell me and what happened. I, I said, look, there's several rules in the book I want you to read. You don't have to read all 48. Okay. But here's a rule that you need to know and you need to do. And the rule was never outshine the master. Hmm. Okay. Meaning when you're in a room, if you're a senior manager and your boss is the director and then their boss is the VP, even though you might know more than them, you might know the business better than them, you might be probably the most talented person in the room, which, by the way, this person was. They were extremely talented and they still are. My point with him is, look, never outshine the master. Do your job, show what you can do, get the accolades, but don't go over the top. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're threatening them by how good you are. Okay. So my boss, who was the VP of pharmacy operations, great guy said to me, so I was the HR director for the Columbus, Ohio pharmacy, 1500 people, the Pittsburgh pharmacy, about 600 people and the Richmond, Virginia pharmacy, small amount of people. This guy was the most talented person in, in the buildings of all three. And I was given the task of molding and shaping him because we saw him as a future vice president Mm -hmm. of the Mm -hmm. business. Okay. So I took that job very seriously. He's an Ohio State alumni. I'm a Penn State alumni. We had fun with that. We connected on that. When he finally became vice president, which took him several years, he went from senior manager to director to senior director to VP. He was going to be promoted to vice president at our Pittsburgh pharmacy. And he goes, I don't want to move to Pittsburgh. I'm a Columbus guy. And I said, listen, you you can't become king in your own kingdom. You got to go somewhere else and show that you can do it. And Mm -hmm. if you do it well, we'll bring you back here. Okay. So we went to Pittsburgh for two years, turned the operation completely around, made it the most profitable pharmacy in the network. And then we brought him back to Columbus, Ohio, to be the VP of that pharmacy, which was the largest pharmacy in the network of pharmacies. It was a pharmacy benefit management company, basically mail-order prescriptions, right? And and this guy was so into Ohio State that we had a bet every year that whoever's team won the next week, the loser had to wear the other team's jersey. 
So Penn State beat Ohio State in 2005 at Penn State, and we had the bet. So he had to wear my jersey all day on a Friday, which everybody loved. Even the Ohio State people thought it was hysterical. And I got a picture of him behind his desk. And I made coffee mugs out of it with his picture in Penn State jersey That's and gave it to everybody on his leadership team, who most of them were Ohio State alumni, but they they loved it. And and he he thought it was hysterical too. So so you gotta have fun at work too, is yeah. is the key thing. So so many levels to that story. Number one that I hear that I really appreciate is you were able to give consultation to someone to accelerate their career. And sometimes it's the one thing and the idea about, Hey, you know, you're kind of outshining all the leaders around here and they could be feeling threatened. You may not see that, but if you're playing the long game, it's different. If you come in a room and you want to, and you're just playing the short game. Yeah. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm, you know, but you're just presenting in a completely different way versus the long game. And then two for you, to be able to find a way to sort of break through and reach someone who may have felt like they already had it all figured out. And you had that personal connection with Ohio state, Penn state. You're like, you're finding a way to make it fun, to engage them, to build trust. And it sounds like you benefited, the company benefited, and certainly this person benefited in their career. Yeah. And we have such a great relationship uh, his wife is also a pharmacist. He's a pharmacist. My wife and his wife are close. He came with his wife from, at the time he was living in Houston, Texas, to Baltimore, Maryland for our 40th vow renewal, wedding vow renewal celebration. And we we probably talk two or three times a month about our kids, about his career. He was the COO, like I said, of a Fortune 10 company. And he's never satisfied, right? He's a he's yeah. a guy who's always looking. For, he wants to be a CEO, right? So I have coached him and mentored him, and he has coached me and mentored me. Hmm. And it's been a it's been a phenomenal relationship. And from an investment standpoint, I do my own investing. My wife and myself, and in, in our own partnership, he's very good at investing. And does, you know, so we talk yeah. about that kind of stuff, and we have been talking about that kind of stuff for over twenty years. Are you looking to increase sales, grow your brand, and share your leadership message? Then check out our business podcast program. Each week, more people listen to podcasts than have Netflix accounts, and one-third of the U.S. population listens to podcasts regularly. So your customers and team are already listening to podcasts. It should be yours. Discover our five-step profitable podcast framework and what results you can expect for your company by setting up a 20-minute call with my team at benleads.com slash schedule. That's benleads.com slash schedule. All right, so let's let's go into that. And you, and you highlighted that, you know, some of your uh, information, how you have a lot of pride in doing your own investing. A lot of people, especially that come out of the corporate world, they sort of turn it over to an index fund or a, or a life cycle fund. You know, or a life broker. cycle front, good. Or, or a broker, right? They yeah. pay the percentage to have someone else manage it because they're too busy doing their own stuff, even though they're probably already reading the Wall Street Journal. For their company, they don't necessarily feel that, hey, I'm not going to do a good job with that. And Tony's written a book, Tony Robbins written a book called Money, 
I've uh, read it. That basically tells people to turn it over. Like you're not going to beat the S and P unless you are really into this stuff. What is your philosophy and why did you decide to do it yourself versus follow that, that kind of more traditional guidance? So my wife is very good at it. Her brother, who I met her through, we went to Penn State together. He uh, unknowingly introduced me to her when she came to a party that we were all at. And I thought she was his date, but found out that she was his sister. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, you're um, related. Okay. Yeah. So my wife's brother, yeah. for his whole career, has been an investment guy, owns his own investment house. Okay. okay. And has multi-million dollar clients, doctors, lawyers, CEOs. So he's somebody that I've been talking to a long time, 44 years, right? 46 years, because I knew him before I knew my wife. And he gives great advice. And I really know and understand how to do this stuff. So we got to the point, this is an interesting story, three years ago, mm -hmm. where we were year over year exceeding 20 to 30% in a range of 20 to 30% on our own investments, okay? Year over year over wow. year. And no fees, right? Or some low no, fees. No, no fees. Just your, just your exchange. Yeah. Just, just you know, whatever. You, fees. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. If you use Vanguard, Fidelity, Prudential, whoever, you know, whatever those fees are to do a trade, a transaction, right? And so what's interesting is Colleen started to get nervous and she said, you know, we probably should take a pretty big chunk of our portfolio and let an investment broker with the firm where we have the money sitting, which I won't name, okay, okay. let them manage our money. And I was ambivalent and, and not for it, but I said, you know what? It's a partnership. I'm willing to give it a try. And here's what I said to my wife. They've got one year. They're on the clock. I'm still going to hold on to about a third of our portfolio. They're going to have two-thirds. If they can't outperform me slash us, then they're fired after one year and it's all coming back to us. So what do you think happened? Based on this story, I think you outperformed them. By 25%. What? Yes. So yes. did you take more, you thought they were probably taking less risk. Yes. So you were probably taking more risk. Yes, but my risks are in things where it's a guaranteed payment. So there are growth annuities that you can buy mm -hmm. where if you put in, let's say, 100000 200000 whatever, there are some where you immediately get an 11% profit, an 11% contribution the minute you put the money in there, and that becomes your new floor. So let's say yeah. you put $100,000 in and mm -hmm. you get a 15%. So now you have $115,000, okay? You can't go under that. So at the end of the year, if it's not at 130 or 120, you're still at 115. And that's your new floor for the second year. Sure. Okay. okay. So yeah. there's a lot of investment instruments out there that most people are not aware of, okay? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a growth annuity is one of those things. And then... You know, one of the questions that I'm thinking you're probably going to ask me is, you know, if you could tell your younger self something to do, what what would it be? You got it. Because now we're talking investment advice. It gets serious. Yeah. Right? Get so serious. For me, I've owned the big, you know, the Fang, the, the Apples, the Microsofts, the Facebooks, 
I wish I would have known to jump into those. If I could have told myself 20 years ago to do that, I'd be in a very good place. And I've owned those stocks a long time. And even a, a, my, my younger son who lives close by is really a great investor, really good investor. He's called me up over the years, he told, called me up like three, four years ago and said, dad, AI is going to be the thing. You need to buy NVIDIA. I'm like, who, who is NVIDIA? So then I did that. <laughs> oh, those I did, processor guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did the research, invested in them. And uh, from the time I invested in it quite a few years ago, it's up 400%. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And then the other one I'll tell you mm-hmm. is Regeneron, a pharmaceutical company, invested in that years before COVID. Then COVID hit and they skyrocketed. I think they went from like, $100 when I first got in, around $100, they're now over $800, right? So a right, lot so of times- it, Those are grand slams. Yeah. Those are like hit the ball so far, like you can't even see it out of the stadium. What do you say to leaders though? You're like, look, you know, look, look, Joe, I mean, that that's nice that you're you're doing all this stuff, but, you know, I'm on the road all the time. I'm working. I got three kids. Like I don't. I don't have time to place those bets unless someone's giving me a tip at the golf course or something like that. What's your message to them? My message is: if you don't plan to win, then you're unconsciously planning to fail. If you don't build time into your your calendar, whether it's a Monday through Friday workday or it's a Saturday and Sunday. There's nobody who can tell me they can't find an hour or two throughout a week, whether you have kids, grandkids, work full time. If you plan to succeed by scheduling that time in your calendar, it's going to be there for you. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I have meetings every month and look at where are we and are we good with what we have and do we want to make some changes? Okay. We build that into our calendar and we do it on the weekend. So it's fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. We've gotten into the Bitcoin stuff, doing amazing with that and not going crazy. So we're not putting big chunks of change in there, but enough where you can see significant growth. So you're doing a little crypto. You're ex- you're able to explore other investment instruments that are a little more non-traditional because you've got parts of your portfolio plan for that. Now, yeah. a lot of people are like, you know what? Um you know, I don't, I don't like talking finances with my spouse because we just, you know, our, our romantic evening spirals into, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that's me. It might every <laughs> once in a while. What, it, how do you, how are you all positioning it in a way where it keeps the fire burning for 44 years when you're talking? Crypto? So we're both, we're both working right now. And our plan is to maybe five years from now, uh, step back and live off of the fruits of our labor, so to speak, our our investments, right? And so I am also in parallel to that. I have a plan that I'm executing on and I'm spending time throughout the week and on the weekends. And that is, I would like to be a board member of maybe four or five companies at the time that I want to retire. And I don't want to work for nonprofit boards, okay? Because if you work for a nonprofit board... Let let the record show what he means by boards. Yes. So I mean paid opportunities 
okay, where I can stay in the game, be active, work, but probably work maybe a week or so a month and get paid a supplemental income, if you will. If you're on a nonprofit board, typically what happens is they want you to donate every year a significant amount to stay on the board, and you've got to deal with all the difficult challenges and work that comes with being on a board. Yes. So I I have said to my friends that are on nonprofit boards, why wouldn't you want to be on a for-profit board where you get paid to do the work you're going to do? Now, I donate to charities, but I don't also want to be on a board of a charity and donate to the charity. If, If I'm going to spend my time, I want to be compensated for it. And it may sound selfish, but I'm trying to set up a retirement situation where I've got multiple streams of income coming in. Yeah, there's something to be said for diversity uh, in yeah. terms of your, your investment portfolio. And it sounds like you're on your way to do that. And I love the idea of a couple of things. Number one, making the distinction between serving on a board and say, hey, this is your nonprofit, this is your for-profit. And oftentimes, the nonprofit boards are great recruiters in terms of yes. getting people and I think one advantage that I find is when I've served on nonprofits, if you're donating or if you are enrolling, like I'm thinking like a school, like a private school board, you're able to help target the funds and the strategy of the nonprofit in a positive way. And that's great. Yeah. But it's a completely different mindset, I think, to take your approach of actively looking for for-profit board member opportunities. I think most executives kind of sit back and just wait for a recruiter or to be asked, but most people that I know that are that are have been on boards have often actively sought that out. What what is your perspective and what's your strategy for uh joining for-profit boards? So I'm on two for-profit boards already. One of them is with somebody that I worked with for 8 years who started as own IT staffing firm. And he asked me this past year, hey, my company's growing so fast and so quick that I need to really get more sophisticated on the HR side of the business. And Joe, I worked with you for eight years. I know you're awesome. Plus, I love working with you. You're like me. You work out all the time. You're a physical fitness guy. Uh, So he invited me to be on his board. And uh, it's a lot of fun to work with somebody that you've known for years. Okay. Mm -hmm. I also work with something called the the Private Directors Association. And that is a organization that gets board opportunities, for-profit board opportunities that they post on a weekly basis. And then you you have to pay, you know, an annual fee to be involved. But I've had several interviews for some really good board positions. Uh, over the past year. And I know eventually I'm going to hit on one of them. It, you know, it's it's not a sprint, it's a marathon to get there. And I look at it like this. I've got five years to build my portfolio of really good businesses to be affiliated with. And then I'm involved in one other organization out of Philly because I'm a Philly guy, but I live in Baltimore. And it's called ELAB, which is the Executive Leadership Advisory Board. Okay. And and that group goes out and looks for and approaches CEOs on a regular basis. So we approach CEOs of companies to see if they want to start their own board. And we have placed many members on boards over oh. the years. Yeah. That's not like a really cool group because you're really helping. You're, you're identifying 
businesses that probably need a board, but maybe yes. they're not the owner or the founder is just so caught up in the weeds. They're not looking for that. And so that educational process, and then it's, it it's like, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to, for, for the listeners, a great way. So a couple of things to pick it up on. Number one, your advice for people that are executives that want to serve on a board is to be known for something. And you've really carved that out in your career, working with so many different organizations in the HR function. And so when one of your previous employees or one of your uh, other peers that you've worked with is at the helm of an organization and they need guidance for HR, they think of you, right? You've already got yeah. that. So that's one thing. And one of the ways I think about enhancing that is to do this show, right? People are going to yes. listen. They're going to be like, okay, Tony Robbins, meditation, HR expert. We haven't even talked about HR yet, right? right. Leadership, <laughs> right? We, but but they're getting to know you, the whole person. Right. I think my impression is that that's equally as important as the specialization function because they're going to want a board member who fits the situation that they're in and get to know you. Yeah. And, and, and when you're is, the most senior person in HR, you typically attend the board meeting. So I've attended many board meetings. I know what it's like. I know how it works. Yeah. I was typically on the compensation committee of those large companies and advised the board on how we should pay the CEO and the rest of the C-suite. Uh, I've built long-term incentive plans. I've built uh, bonus plans for all employees that I had to get the boards to approve. So I kind of know how boards work and how they operate. So my friend who owns this company who invited me to be on his board, he's like, Joe, I know you know the inner workings of how boards work. I don't know how the hell they work. So I might even ask you to be the chair of the board because you know you, you know this stuff. And to me, I'm a business person who happens to be in HR. One of my best jobs DuPont acquired ICI after I'd been there nine years mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. all uh, HR-related jobs. Kept growing and growing and growing and getting into higher levels of HR. DuPont came and said, hey, we want you to be the operations leader at our largest plant in the U.S., 5,000 employees in Richmond, Virginia. It's closer to your house. You don't have to relocate. And you're going to be the operations leader responsible for the P&L but you're also going to have HR reporting into you because we've got three militant unions and we know you're really good with that stuff. So, so I it, it wasn't like an interview or a choice. It was like, hey, Joe, effective Monday, you're showing up to the plant in Richmond and you're the operations leader. But it was the best job and the best learning experience I ever had. It was amazing. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it, like how to be a great board member is. Pro, I, don't, I haven't I haven't Googled it or looked it up on YouTube, but there's probably not a lot of good stuff out there for it. Not a lot of playbooks. It's, it seems to be a very one of those areas where it's a very experience driven. Yes, <laughs> opportunity. And so, it sounds like what you're saying too is, if you're a founder and you need to build out your board, one of the great ways to do that quickly and accelerate your results is to find the right people with experience and the functions that matter most. And I've helped this person do that. And um, I'm really looking forward to next month. We're having a board meeting with, with all of us getting together to talk about the future of his fast growing business. So it's a lot of fun to be a part of that too. So a friend that I've worked yeah. with who I'm going to help him accelerate the growth of his business. 
so good. Well, Joe, we're, we're about out of time here. And let's just say I feel a little bit like I focused on questions that I was really curious about <laughs> because, and I think the listeners will be going to benefit. We didn't really, you know, we, I'll, I would say I probably have three fourths my questions still left. So we're probably going to have to do another one if you're up for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm we, happy to do that. I, w- I would love to talk about the, uh, the experiences that I've had outside of my personal experiences with, <laughs> that I shared. And I think, <laughs> you know, it'll be a great conversation. I'm, I'm excited to do it again. That would be phenomenal. So, so based on what we talked about today, what's your parting thought for our listeners? So my parting thought is uh, do what you love and love what you do. Don't ever put yourself in a position where you're in a job or a relationship that you don't like. You have a choice, okay? A fixed mindset would say, oh, this is it. I'm in this job. I, you know, who's going to want me? I'm old. I can't get out of this job. So I might as well just, you know, bear with it. I'm in this relationship with somebody that I'm really not in love with anymore, which I'm not, by the way. I love my wife and I'm married a long time. But I've seen people be miserable in relationships. Yeah. yeah. I've literally seen people, friends and family, be miserable in relationships that they can choose to get out of. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say I have seen people cut the cord and change their life dramatically for the better because they finally decided to either leave that job Mm -hmm. or amicably leave that person that wasn't a person that should be the match for them. Okay. But it, it takes real fortitude, if you will, to do that. Well, wow, what a great empowering message for people to consider. And I see that as something that really was a theme throughout our conversation today, your personal finances, your career, your relationship. Um, and what a great way to cap the interview. Thanks for coming on today, Joe. Thank you. Listen, have a great weekend and happy holidays. And I would love to do this again. Would you or your CEO be a good fit for this podcast? If you know a uniquely talented leader who has a story to share and a message to deliver, then we'd love to host them on the show. Go to benleads.com slash apply to fill out a quick form where you can let us know a little bit about yourself and my team will take a look to see if we're a good fit. That's benleads.com slash apply. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.